ladies, uh, we welcome you to this week's Bible study. Uh, this is Kulvi Maisov, and I have here with me Lalitha. How are you? Hi. Hi, everyone. I'm doing very well. Thank you. Uh, Lauren today is on the week off. We bless her. Uh, she's well-deserved, uh, having her well-deserved rest with her family. And uh, we are asking that the Lord would just bless our discussion, keep our uh, thoughts clear, and also that our speech would be understandable and translate the things that his spirit wants us to learn. So uh, what we do this time is uh, the chapter is very short. So I will start with verse one and go to seven. And then Lalitha, you can take over from verse eight. You looked at some okay, studies yeah, there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, if anything catches our thoughts, then we're just going to chit chat in between. Hopefully we will not go uh, too much over. And ladies, I hope that as a podcast is out now, hello, praise God, then uh, maybe it's just easier also. If it goes a little bit over, then you won't be that uh, troubled because you can still do your works and take your walks and all the things. So um, God bless you. All right. Um, when we look back at the uh, Acts 5, at the end of the chapter, the last verse says, and every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching the Christ Jesus. And it's talking about the 12 who were um, raising, growing, strengthening the church that was really exploding in growth. We saw how thousands upon thousands of people were added to the church and uh, how the complexity of life was raising, especially we were seeing the financials changing. And again, just to remind the listener, one of the reasons was that they had come in for the holidays, uh, the Jews from all around basically all around the known world, uh, based on the Old Testament, Leviticus uh, commands that every uh, able man should come in to Jerusalem, if at all possible, for the Passover, one of the high holidays. And uh, of course, um, they did that. They were there, they gathered, and that's where the Holy Spirit was poured out in chapter two, and the change of uh, lives of so many Right away, thousands of people were, were saved and joined with them. Uh, now, you can only imagine then that if they were leaving their lives behind to get into Jerusalem, and uh, suddenly they realized that they have not much religion to go back to. So they're faced with a situation where the city is the only place where they can learn more. The 12 apostles are the only ones who can feed them with a living bread from the teachings of Jesus himself. You remember that Jesus was teaching them days in and days out, even after, after the resurrection, about how the Old Testament, their holy scriptures, word uh, works together with his life and all the prophecies were fulfilled in him. So apostles were in a very unique situation where a lot of these people who came in, well, all of the people who came in were to be taught with how to properly um, open the scriptures of the Old Testament, the prophets and the, um, and the law. So now we go to the uh, first uh, verse in the chapter six. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, now, the estimation by that time, a lot of times goes over 20, maybe 25,000. Uh, we don't know, really. And also, they did not count children or women, oftentimes. So we're talking about 
um, families, um, big amounts of people all in one place. But then a complaint or a murmur, uh, King James says murmur, by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Well, what is the daily distribution? So looking into the um, Hebraic traditions, you will realize that in their synagogues and in their temple, there was a custom to gather monies and gather supplies for all the poors, poor people so that they could dis distribute it once a week for the um, people to use up. Now, widows, you will see in Exodus 22, 22 to 24, are a special group of people, the poor, orphan, and widows, where God really says, if you do not take care of them, then the judgments will be upon you. So for Jews, traditionally, and even today, it is one of the most, utmost importance to take care of the widows in the midst of them. Now, the Hellenists were the people who were coming from wider diaspora, which means the provinces of all over Greco and Greece and uh, Roman world, Greco-Roman world. Their language was Greek, while Jews were speaking Hebrew. And their culture was very different from uh, traditional um, Jewish culture. And of course, if you think about the fact that um, Jews had been under the uh, Babylon for a long time, their culture and their knowledge of word and their um, translations of the word had gone really far and very strict. And now you suddenly have a whole massive amount of people coming in who really come from a totally different culture and live differently and all these things had to put together. So when I studied a little bit about that murmur, listen to that word, the murmur, isn't that something we all know how that goes. It's like this undercurrent that is not really formulated fully, but it's known in the church that there's some dis discontent, discontentment. And um, so it, will, it come, came up to the apostles. And um, cultural differences might have played a big role there. This, uh, the um, commentaries are saying uh, that oftentimes when you have people who speak different language, come from different background, it can cause a little bit of um, dissent, right? So then um, they, uh, on this verse two, it says the 12, the apostles, as you remember, uh, summoned all disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve the tables. Therefore, brothers, speak out from you, among you, seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, who we will appoint to this duty. Again, a couple things. Remember, there's thousands of people who gather daily from house to house and from temple to the temple. There's distributions. There is also probably counseling. There's a lot of teaching to be done and, um, and helping of families. So it was not that the apostle had um, decidedly not tried to help the Hellenists. It really was the sheer number of people. By that time, uh, when they sum summoned and they said, it is not right. Notice that word in the verse two. This reminds you right away going to the, um, oh, right here, uh, Exodus 18, 17. 
if you remember when Mo Moses, his father-in-law, came to visit Moses and saw how he was overwhelmed by the amount of counseling Moses had to do day in and day out, from early, early morning to the late, late night. And he said, it is not good. It is very similar, if not the same phrase right there. And the cause is overwhelm of growing needs in the ineffective ministry. You cannot do it well if you're tired and overwhelmed. So uh, in verse 18, in Exodus 18, it says, you and the people with you will certainly wear yourself out for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. So in verse two, you have the same phrase. It is not right um, that, uh, that we would get overwhelmed by it. It says then that um, let's find seven men. Now, seven was a number that uh, we find, again, in traditional Judaism, was to the ministry, the public services of the people. And seven is an even number. So the idea was that if they would vote, you would always get either one way or the other way. Your 12 would be even number. You can't do it. So seven was a good amount of finding those good men. When you look at these uh, qualification now, good reputation, which in uh, our language might be a little bit lost, but really good comes from the word root godly. There is no good outside of God. So it means righteous, godly character, somebody who is God-fearing, sincerely uh, God-fearing man, full of the spirit and of wisdom. And that can take us into the uh, Isaiah 11.2. When you look at Isaiah 11.2, where it talks about Messiah now that we read, it says, the spirit of wisdom and understanding is upon him, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. So when it is talk full of the spirit and of wisdom, then it is the same spirit that gives you wisdom, understanding, knowledge, and, and deep care. And they finish up saying, we will appoint them to this duty then. Now, interesting when you think about the process, they're asking men, you know, who have the most caring hearts. Obviously, Hellenists were the ones who were saying that things are going a little bit sideways. So find those men who you know will take good care uh, of these uh, widows. And we will appoint. So we will actually partner with them. We will become their partners in the ministry in taking care of godly purpose of ministering to the poor. Um, I think too, where they go, let me go to the next one. Yes, let's go back to the verse two, where it says that it would be not good if we would be uh, give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Now that word tables doesn't really mean just the food. It really means it's the same term that you find in Matthew, where Jesus is turning around the tables of the money changers. So it is, again, this public service of taking care of the people, being duly diligent with people, would be considered serving tables. We should also mention that even though in our culture, uh, deacons mean a specific service, and, even, and it does differ in different denominations, how high or how simple they are considered. In some denominations, they're considered very highly uh, important and very, very few of them. While in some others, you can call 
deacons, anyone who serves, just like in this meaning. In the Bible, really, deacon is not mentioned until actually considering or touching upon the uh, apostles themselves. When you look at the verse four, where it says, we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word, then this word is the same as the one on top where it says deacon, uh, which means again that we are ministering, we're helping, we're attending to this purpose rather than any kind of special position. And the other idea is let's never forget that the apostles, if anyone, knew the most that if the word and the preaching of the gospel is going to be neglected, then all the good works also will follow flat. And I think this is something as we look into our churches, our ministries and our own lives is if we neglect the prayer and knowledge of the word of God and preaching it day in and day out and standing on the truth and contending for the truth and, and really uh, helping people to know what exactly is right and good and how to, again, dissect those Old Testament scriptures that the Jews knew so well, but had been turned into human traditions that had become actually entangling. As a matter of fact, if I think about it, I oftentimes find this idea come to my mind that perhaps those Sadducees and Pharisees were not so much thinking that that the attack was on Moses and the law, but it was more affecting their own extra side laws that they had made up for people. Because when you look at the fact that the Lord is, um, uh, is for the law, I know Lalita, you're gonna mention that, right? He's for the law, he is the executor of the law. He is the gift of God for humankind. Um, but then he says certain things that infuriate um, the traditional Jews because it doesn't fit with all the extra that they have built around um, just the scriptures. All right, let's move on. Um, it is not good that we, we would forsake our lot. I thought, um, let's mention it here that Romans 12, 4 to 8 says, let us use the gifts as they have been distributed. Remember, apostles had been called with a special purpose to be sent out and to preach the gospel to the whole world and to, again, teach it well, to make disciples. And now we're talking about disciples gathering. The word disciple really means student. It is a learner, the person who follows and is discipled by a rabbi or a teacher who they want to become like. So Jesus is our highest uh, teacher and the word of God, of course, is the expressed word. So it says here in Romans 12, 4 to 8, if you prophesy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. If it is for ministry, so serving tables or cleaning the places or, or working with children. Let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches, use it in teaching. So we who are teachers need to be really diligent in what we express of the word of God. He who exhorts, be diligent in exhortation and do it with the faith of God. He who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence. So you see this idea that everyone gets a lot and they need to be very diligent and work with the spirit on. So we applaud the apostles from the fact that they did not run into many directions trying to care for people. I think that would be a change. Uh, it would be a danger if the word and prayer are not at the front 
of the church, then it will flop side and all the good works will just um, fall apart. And the men needed to be of good repute again. When you look deep into the word, it means righteous character and also means witness, a testimony, which is the same word as martyreo, the same word as we get the martyr from. So their witness had to be solid enough where you could build upon it. Their fitness, their faith, their knowledge of God had to be strong as martyreo. Um, and the wisdom of God, I mentioned about it too, is the spirit of the holiness. And Galatians 5.17 really says that the carnal mind is always against the spiritual mind. So again, as they were building out the church, they were talking about the spirit of understanding and wisdom that is spiritual in nature, not carnal. Remember, James is talking about the demonic wisdom as well that rises itself against everything that is godly. And none of that was to take place in the church. So it was a good place. And I kind of joked with um, table leaders over the phone saying, when we were talking about this chapter, if you are a lady who likes organizing, or if you are a person who sees something with its potential, the first thing is to figure out what are the main objects, uh, purposes of this space or this time or whatever it is. And if the church became really, let's imagine 25,000, then it was important to set straight what are the main purposes for these gatherings and how to take care of all that God has called them to do. Because the growth alone cannot let us, or let the widows to go aside, right? All right, Lalitha, I've gone pretty fast. Do you want to add anything or, or if yeah, you have a question? No, I, no um, I will just uh, carry on from where you've left off Kulvi and then uh, after that if there are questions uh, or any comments then we can address them. All right I do have a few more uh, verses before that and and then I will give that to you yes. Okay. All right I'll move on to verse five. The whole gathering was pleased with what they said and then they chose Stephen we know now that uh, he's going to become this man of uh, valor, speaking in the next chapter um, with, uh, with the um, Sadducees and Pharisees and giving a famous speech um, we will learn next week. A man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit again. And Philip. Philip is another man who we will hear more about in the future. And then Prochorus, Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas and Nicolaus, a proselyte, which means just Gentile convert. They called them also God-fearing man of Antioch. And Antioch is actually a home city of Luke's himself. So we think maybe that's why he's mentioning where it's from, where he's from. Now, when you look at all of these names, some of you might already know this, but these are Greek names. And we do not know if it was political. I do not think so. <laughs> I believe it was the Holy Spirit putting the fire and care on those people. And they were chosen because it was their heart matter to really care for those widows. And this is another good lesson for us as we are looking to for great leaders for the works to be done among us. Find those who are most burdened or those who are most 
um, fiery about it, most fervent about it, those who would never let it go. Because one thing is if we're just finding someone who can or who has a good certificate or who has experience. I know we oftentimes ask, what is your experience with those things? They're good things, but they are side things because if you do not have the full uh, straight heart from the God-given heart for that task, then again, you will find yourself going on the same route over and over again. So these were all very likely Helen's Jews. And Philip here is going to be, um, we're going to learn about him more in Acts 8. And verse 6, to finish up with my uh, section, is these men, they sat before the apostles and they prayed and laid their hands on them laid their hands on them, they prayed, and they set them before the apostles. So, like I mentioned before, the people chose those men, but the apostles did something specific. The Lord had sent them, set them up with the responsibility of those people, of all the body of Christ. So, in laying of hands, when we look it up real quick in the, in the um, Old Testament, then you find that... Um, in Numbers 27, 23, Moses lays hands on Joshua. And Deuteronomy 34, 9 says, listen to this. This is really interesting. He says, now Joshua, the son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid his hands on him. And the sons of Israel listened to him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. In another, in another place, too, it says, they listened to him from then on as they had listened to Moses. So G, uh, Moses set hands on him, bestowed upon him the authority and the strength and also a covenantal relationship. This is you and I were one. We're going to take care of it together until I'm I am here. The other idea where you can look at the laying of hands is Leviticus 1.4. And that's actually about the sacrificial bulls, uh, where before atonement, the priest, the high priest would lay the hands on that bull. And it was not for blessing alone, but it was the symbolic and also the just this transactional side to it, that our sins, the nation's sins are now going upon this sacrifice, this atonement. And Jesus, of course, is now our atonement. Um, the, the act of laying off all the sins upon that sacrifice then purified the nation for the next year to go. When you look at the elementary teachings that are mentioned in Hebrews 6, 1 to 2, you see that teaching of the laying of hands is also among there. I wonder sometimes if we actually um, should look into those elementary teachings that are considered elementary. Uh, baptisms are in there as well. Then blessings. Jesus was uh, blessing children. You remember that probably very well, Mark 10, 16. And sometimes you will see that in Book of Acts in few, few, several times in a Holy Spirit baptism. People would uh, lay hands and these people would receive the Holy Spirit right under their hands. Healings as well. Mark 16, 18. You lay hands and they will be made well. 1 Timothy 5.22 finishes up, I think, well for us and says, do not lay hands carelessly or without consideration. Do, do, do not do it hastily. You should know that there is some weight to it. Keep yourself pure. 
All right, Lalita, my, my section is done. Okay, thank you, Kundi. Uh, so the section that I'm going to speak on is from Acts 6, uh, 8 to 15, uh, where we see here that Stephen uh, was full of faith and power, and he did great wonders and signs among the people. Um, we see here, first of all, that Stephen, uh, his name means crown or wreath, and little did he realize that when his mother named him Stephen, that he was going to wear the martyr's crown one day. Uh, he was full of faith and power, and he did great wonders and signs among the people. The most important prerequisite for any kind of Christian service is to be filled with faith uh, another uh, translation also mentions it as the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. By the Spirit's power, Stephen was a wise servant as seen um, in Acts 3. He was a miracle worker as seen in Acts 6 verse 8. Um, he was an evangelist as seen in Acts 6 and verse 10. And then by the Holy Spirit's power, you can exercise the gifts God has given you. We also see in verse 8 that Stephen did great wonders and signs among the people. Now, when we just look in a little more detail as to signs and wonders, wonder is from the Greek root word teras, meaning a marvel or eliciting awe. And sign is from the Greek word simeon, typically miraculous signs given especially to confirm or corroborate or authenticate. And then we see in Acts 6, 9, there were some men called the synagogue of the freedmen. These were people who were former slaves of the Romans and they were freed and they were all worshiping in this one synagogue. They were Jews and they began arguing with Stephen. And we see in verse 10, they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which Stephen spoke. And so then they adopted another strategy as we see in verse 11. They incited men to accuse Stephen of speaking blasphemous words against Moses and against God. They arrested him and brought him before the council. And then we see in Acts 6 verse 13, they also set up false witnesses to say that this man does not cease to speak blasphemous words against the holy, the, this holy place and the law, meaning the temple and the law of Moses, which were very sacred to them. This accusation, of course, was false because Stephen had said no such thing. Um, and uh, as we read, we say that they, since they could not resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke, so they used a very underhand kind of strategy, which we see is in work even today, when people cannot resist, uh, resist um, Christians and they don't uh, retaliate, then they just incite people to say false things against them, and on the basis of those false charges, Christians are um, martyred, even in our day and age. Then we see in Acts 6.14, they said, We have heard him say that Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs which Moses delivered to us. 
the accusation rested in part on the words of Jesus, which he had said in John 2, 19, where Jesus said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. But of course he meant his body. He didn't mean the actual temple, but of course they, they took him literally and, um, and uh, they accused Stephen of saying the same thing. And then the other prediction that Jesus had made about the temple, if you remember, in Matthew 24, 2, where he said, do you not see all these things? Truly, I say to you, not one stone will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. So they took um, issue with that and they said, see, um, uh, he, Stephen is saying things about the temple and he said it's going to be destroyed. And, um, and of course, Stephen had said uh, no such thing and neither had Jesus, but they were determined to accuse them and, you know, pull them down. And then in Acts 6 and verse 15, it says, and all who sat in the council, looking steadfastly at Stephen, saw his face as the face of an angel. The expression is used to denote the impression produced on the countenance by communion with God. We see in this chapter another occurrence in the manner in which the church of the Lord Jesus was established. The church encountered opposition and persecution, and it still does to this day. Uh, when I was uh, studying and uh, reading up uh, details about this chapter, I came across a quote from Robert Murray McShane, where he says, Oh, for closest communion with God, till soul and body, head, face, and heart shine with divine brilliance. And this is available even to us because even as we commune with God through his Holy Spirit, who indwells each one of us, that we can also have our uh, faces and our hearts shine with divine brilliance. Each one of us was made to manifest the glory of God and host his presence. As we continue to desire more of God, to honor the Holy Spirit and to surrender our hearts to him, staying continually filled and overflowing in the Holy Spirit, will we be a uh, it will be a natural and everyday occurrence for us. As we mm -hmm. see, Kulvi, like you had also mentioned in the early part of the chapter, is that we just see unusual things happening in Acts um, chapter um, 6, and it starts actually right in the beginning of, of the, the whole book of Acts, and it goes on right till the end of the book of Acts. And it's not surprising that these are unusual and supernatural things because God is anything but natural. Everything he does is supernatural. So we are so privileged to be called his children. We are so privileged to be indwelt by the same Holy Spirit that indwelt those believers in the, in the first century church. The same Holy Spirit indwells us. And um, our takeaway and our application from all that we are learning so far in Acts, uh, just like in Acts chapter 2, where they were filled with the Holy Spirit, our prayer is that we will be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. And as we learned 
in act uh, in acts chapter 6 is that will that we like stephen will uh, will be filled with um the spirit of wisdom and of faith and power and be available to uh for for the holy spirit to, to work through us in 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 whatever way he desires it's amazing yeah yes yeah praise praise yeah. god yeah mm -hmm. yeah i was wondering too the face is shining mm -hmm. when they are attacking mm -hmm. stephen yeah how come right we would usually shy away when we're attacked but right. there's something happening and You know, when we look throughout the book of uh, Acts, and we've seen it already, how, they, how it says the Holy Spirit filling them before mm -hmm. they open mouth. Mm -hmm. And I think when uh, we study the next part, we will see why his face is shining, because the Lord is literally pouring upon mm -hmm. him the spirit of wisdom mm -hmm. and great understanding, because he is going to go through the Old Testament line by line, account by account, and bringing to those very rulers and mm -hmm. elders mm -hmm. the correct understanding of what is important and what is not. And it's almost, again, this idea that, that this man is a, a uh, really a um, tool in God's hand, right? He is going to fill him as a, bro a broken vessel. We all are broken, mm -hmm. but we can be used in mightily. I looked up the second Corinthians 318. That's what it remember reminded me is that and we all with unveiled mm -hmm. face beholding yes. as in yeah. a glass, the glory yeah. of the Lord. Mm -hmm. When we behold his glory, mm -hmm. we are changed into the same image mm -hmm. from glory to glory, even yeah. as by the spirit of the Lord. Yes. So somebody had <laughs> and somebody had said and I love that thought in my own weak moments is uh -huh. that we don't know ourselves for what we are created or who we yeah. are created to be right. when we say Lord not me or I can't uh -huh. go back to Moses again Moses was uh -huh. I can't speak uh -huh. I can't do this uh -huh. arguing with the Lord and then yet he was the chosen vessel to actually uh -huh. be the mouthpiece. yes uh -huh. he had Aaron too but um, uh -huh. sometimes that brought some problems even uh -huh. right <laughs> <laughs> but with right. the pharaoh he, he was still yeah. the main main man mm -hmm. so to be able to be full uh, filled and led mm -hmm. by the spirit and uh, again i think i want to bring it back to that idea that once you're called by the lord the bible talks about make sure you're calling and run and run your race well mm -hmm. i think again that it's not it's not in darkness that we run, mm -hmm. but it is right. upon his word. Mm -hmm. As Paul is later speaking to uh, Timothy and saying, stir up the gift that we um, bestowed upon you by the laying on of hands. So you mm -hmm. understand again that the Lord has given from the elders to the younger generation mm -hmm. by this by this anointing, basically, mm -hmm. is what you could say. Um, mm -hmm. But it enables you and you need to run your race then well. So don't mm -hmm. neglect what was given to you mm -hmm. because you're seeing something else. Because the Lord has people in the body of Christ to do all the right things. And he is the builder of a church. Right. He is the one who actually puts all the body together. Mm -hmm. The eye cannot be a foot. <laughs> mm -hmm. right. We cannot do everything, but we need to keep it really. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I skipped the verse seven where it actually says too that um, 
the word continued to increase and the number of disciples multiplied greatly. Again, greatly. You got another. Yeah, yeah. So when you look back at all these attacks on the church, the first one was right away the persecution. The government mm -hmm. was saying right away, be quiet, otherwise we will flog mm -hmm. you, we will put you into jail, you will never see the day of light. Mm -hmm. They became only stronger because the angels mm -hmm. were, the power of God was mm -hmm. with them. Yeah, it became a testimony a witness in them, they became bolder. And then the next one, of course, the sin, you saw the Ananias and Sapphira mm -hmm. having the lack of fear of God and thinking mm -hmm. they could manipulate the system. And yeah. it turned out not to be human system at all. And I, I thank the Lord, we're not talking about the human system, because corruption is everywhere. Mm -hmm. You see of the human system, when you talk about the Sadducees and Pharisees who are now paying lying men worthless yeah, men right. to say things that are not yeah, true correct and in my heart i'm thinking why can you not succumb to the mm -hmm. truth they did mm -hmm. not love the truth they refused yeah. Yeah. and they made it a, a human fight against mm -hmm. um the lord which mm -hmm. is what gamaliel was saying don't you fight against it because yeah. you might fight god yeah and they are really going for it mm -hmm. One of the things, Lalitha, uh, I looked, um, because again, sometimes the words sound familiar. And when he, when they say uh, that uh, Stephen was saying blasphemous word against mm -hmm. the Moses and God, mm -hmm. against the holy place and the law. Mm. You know, what's an interesting thing is mm -hmm. later when Paul is um, tried before Caiaphas, mm -hmm. guess what the accusations are? The exact same ones. Blasphemy. Mm -hmm blasphemy against Moses and God and, mm -hmm. and the temple. And when I was last night, I was trying to fall asleep and just my mind kept going on. Don't understand how they become so violent over truth. Mm -hmm. And I realized that um, it, it, it turned and it attacked really their, their, again, their human establishment, their riches, their power, their strength. Mm -hmm. And they tried to come and destroy it because of the, um, because of what it impl implied. And mm -hmm. you, you were saying too, um, that Jesus did not come against law. Jesus mm -hmm. said, I came to fulfill, right? Fulfill the law, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. But yeah. in the light, how he brings it, I was reminded mm -hmm. of uh, Matthew, seven to nine when he says oh the the pharisees are coming and asking remember moses um, moses allowed us to have the certificate of annulment for the marriage mm -hmm. and jesus said well i will tell you that if you are whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immor immorality and marries another commits adultery so i think that was against our system just this idea that jesus is saying by the way the heart of the law you have distorted, you have turned it against what the righteous thing is. Mm -hmm. Or when in Hebrews 8, 5, uh, the writer, who is Paul, uh, says that law of Moses was imperfect. So it, it is, it says that it is the shadow of things to come. It is mm -hmm. not those things in itself. Mm -hmm. So the war is on because uh, the temple suddenly became more important than the temple of God, which is humans. And of course, uh, Moses became more important than God himself. Moses is a human. So you see just this degrading of what the kingdom of God really is. And when they came to uh, 
to Jesus and saying, we are the children of Abraham. What did Jesus say? If you would be the children of Abraham, you would recognize me. Right. <laughs> you've, right. you've gone too far. Yeah. The other thing I took uh, took from um, the this chapter is that just like um, they needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit uh, to serve tables. Now one would think, okay, I can see where I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit if I'm going to be preaching and, you know, doing things that in our eyes, uh, you know, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But for them, um, even the importance of while they were serving tables, it was important for them to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And my takeaway and my application for that in our present day situation is whatever we may be, whether we are homemakers, whether we are teachers, uh, you know, mothers, um, and especially in this time of, of uh, Zoom and doing everything from home and facing challenges that we haven't uh, had before. I, I, I believe that we need to be even more so filled with the Holy Spirit and with wisdom to, uh, to be able to, um, you know, do all these tasks, which in our minds might be very mundane. But when we do this with the enabling of the Holy Spirit, it, it would be amazing to see how God would help us and, um, and work through us. And we would come out with amazing testimonies. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Yes. So um, I'm looking forward to, to that happening in our midst. I, I very much agree. Yes. Yeah, if, if any of the listeners are looking for good uh, writings or good things to read, then that's one of the things you will find. Uh, biographies of great um, mm -hmm. men of God, women of God, you will see the mother behind them. You will see that there was a praying mother or a praying grandmother or, yeah, waiting tables or serving tables. Like I said, too, though, it is all practical matters. It really encompassed everything in serving the people so it would be okay where can these people live or where right. where do these blankets come from or how can yeah. we put two good people together who can understand yeah. each other and how so it was all the practical matters but you're right there is no one holy and holy there's mm -hmm. no such mm -hmm. division mm -hmm. um, it's such a lie to say that you know cleaning the floor or making dishes is insignificant mm -hmm. it, yeah. it really is and um right. Yeah. All right. I, th I think that was a wonderful discussion. Mm -hmm. Hey, I had a yeah. curious question because I know uh -huh. that in Estonia, the um, electing of pastors or setting up of pastors is very different mm -hmm. from America. Tell me tell mm -hmm. a little bit. How is it in your um, where you come from in India? Well, um, from what I from what I understand, it really depends on the denomination. If it's like a formal church denomination, then the, the pastor or the minister needs to have gone through seminary. And then he is chosen and appointed by, you know, the board of elders or the, or the bishop himself. So it is, uh, I, I think, in, from my understanding that it depends on each denomination and what their protocol is. But if it's a less formal, you know, denomination, then there is like a board of elders, and uh, you know they will they will decide and agree upon who would be a good fit for the pastor of that church. That and just are, my are understanding. 
And are these pastors usually chosen from within or do they go from uh, anywhere? Do the people know who is chosen usually personally yeah. as well? Yes, again, there, as far as my understanding goes, I think the, the, they start with people from within, you know, within the church or at least within uh, a range of people who they know. And then I suppose if they do not find a suitable candidate from among the people who they know, then they will go outside of that. And then it's by recommendation, you know, somebody who knows somebody of good repute and who is trustworthy, who's had a good uh, pastoral record. So that is my understanding. Very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, um, I, we had a um, time in Estonia where new churches were born everywhere. It was just this time of great, again, multiplying of the word. And I think too, it was different then than it is now, because now as well, we're much more systematic about finding a pastor. Oftentimes it still is someone who, people know because people need to have a good uh, response to them or even the trustworthiness. But I do remember that the, when, when the great awakenings were, were happening, then it was basically the people who knew the word, the people who were able to put the two and two together, they started preaching and teaching and doing everything and they grew as they mm -hmm. went, <laughs> mm -hmm. which can be scary. But in a way, I do think too that that growing together has its value. Sometimes I find that um, if you only look at the education, you know, head knowledge is great, but if you don't um, have that sense of a, we belong together. I think mm -hmm. the laying on of hands, if I think about it again, is this idea that we're in it together, mm -hmm. we're here to support you. It's, it's, um, we're we're to do this until mm -hmm. the Lord takes us away. It's not like today you're awesome and then next day mm -hmm. maybe you're not that well anymore. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but the Lord is giving His wisdom, and uh, and we definitely pray for our church as well to mm -hmm. be grown in the Lord. Yeah. Well, thank you, ladies, for listening. We're looking forward for the next uh, chapter. It's going to be a long one. Lauren mm -hmm. is going to be with us. We're very excited. We promise we won't go into verse by verse, but we will ask the Lord to illuminate and bring forth certain things we mm -hmm. want to touch upon. Uh, you want to finish us up in prayer? Yes, sure. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the awesome privilege of studying your word, Lord. We thank you for making provision for people to put it together on paper so that we in the 21st century can read it and learn from it and just grow closer to you, Lord. Heavenly Father, we just pray, Lord, that by your power, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you will enable us, Lord, fill us to overflowing with your Holy Spirit. And just as you filled Stephen with uh, grace and with power and wisdom, Lord, we pray that you will uh, fill us with grace and power and wisdom. We pray for each member of the Women's Bible Study. We pray for their families. We pray for the situations that each one is facing and we ask that you will give us all wisdom in facing our individual situations lord and lord we pray that we will come back with wonderful testimonies of how you have helped us lord we just give you thanks and praise in the wonderful and matchless name of our precious lord and savior jesus christ amen amen